welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Monday, April 8th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, Tim Ryan is officially in the race. Everybody wants John Lewis's endorsement. Bernie Sanders still hasn't released his tax returns, but I'll tell you who has. Pete Buttigieg calls out the Mike Pence's of the world. And a fun way to view the electoral map at home. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. Congressman Tim Ryan announced that he is officially in the race, which increases the field to, checking my notes here, 17 major candidates out of a field of more than 200 in total vying for the presidency on the Democratic ticket. So Ryan made his official announcement on the talk show The View on Thursday, then held a rally on Saturday in Youngstown, Ohio. As a Democrat from Ohio, Ryan's core promise is that he can win back many of the Rust Belt states that turned red in the last presidential election. Here's part of what Ryan said on The View in response to a question from Meghan McCain. Quote, I can win Western Pennsylvania. I can win Ohio. I can win Michigan. I can win Wisconsin. And that means Donald Trump is going back to Mar-a-Lago full-time. End quote. Now, that quote does need some context. Ryan started out his appearance on The View talking about the ongoing loss of manufacturing jobs in his part of the country and how that has affected his family. He told stories about job losses that hurt his father and his cousin Donnie and even his daughter. These are the words that Ryan used to announce his candidacy. Quote, My daughter called me crying from school because her friend was crying to her. Her dad just got transferred to the local General Motors plant. The kids had to move. And my daughter called me and she said, You gotta do something. And I said, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to run for president of the United States, and I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen anymore. End quote. Ryan went on to explain that he wants to revive the automotive sector in the U.S. by supporting electric car manufacturing. He said he wants those electric cars built in the U.S. along with the batteries and charging stations and all the related infrastructure. When asked how that differed from Trump's position on American manufacturing, Ryan said that Trump ran on a promise to bring back, quote, the old steel mills, and the old coal mills, end quote, while Ryan is looking ahead to renewable energy and the jobs related to those growing fields. He said, quote, where are our kids going to work, end quote, and suggested that auto manufacturing coupled with clean energy could be an issue that brings together a divided country, at least in the Rust Belt states. Okay, and that all makes sense. It's a clear message, and it's a straightforward way to understand who this candidate is. You can sum it up as, Ohio Democrat serving in a red state wants to modernize the American auto industry and is all about jobs and the economy. And then things got complicated. Co-host Sunny Hostin pointed out that Ryan is a centrist. She mentioned that Ryan was an NRA member until about four years ago, and he was also anti-abortion until four years ago. He even tried to unseat Nancy Pelosi as the leader of House Democrats. Hostin asked him how he would win over progressives in his own party, given his track record as a centrist. And the weird thing is that Ryan responded by saying that he is a progressive and cited a handful of votes against Republican tax cuts to back it up. He self-applied the term progressive many, many times. He said he's for a $15 minimum wage, and that if you look at economic issues, he has some progressive credentials in the form of House votes. Then, Meghan McCain entered the conversation, pointing out that Ryan is nowhere near a progressive, at least not by the standards of today's Democratic Party. He's obviously a centrist, and always has been. 
And this is coming from McCain, somebody who was literally fist-bumping Ryan moments earlier regarding his former NRA membership and his hobby of duck hunting. There's nothing wrong with being a centrist, right? But Ryan came back by saying he's all about the free market, but he's also super progressive because of the electric car thing. Here's a quote. I am a reform Democrat who believes that if we are going to green the economy, you need the innovation and the power of the free market to do that. I am against concentration of wealth. I am against inequality. I am against greed. But you can't be against the free enterprise system. End quote. Very quickly after that, the show ran out of time for him, so he left. Now, in a piece for 538, Claire Malone wrote about Tim Ryan's history and his possible strategy, which includes, and this is real, his desire to win what he calls the yoga vote. Ryan wrote a book in 2012 about mindfulness, and he is super into yoga, in addition to being a gun owner and a hunter and stuff, and that's awesome. I legitimately think that that's all good. The tension here, though, is exactly what we saw on display in his appearance on The View. He's got these two key constituencies, and the messaging he uses to reach each one might not be fully worked out or integrated yet. Here's a quote from Malone's piece to round out our Tim Ryan coverage for the day. Quote, In 2018, 538 staffers discussed what exactly the yoga vote might actually look like electorally and concluded that it would rely on suburban white women riled up over Trump. Ryan might see a path to victory by appealing both to working-class voters and those women who fueled the Democrats' 2018 midterm victories in House seats. End quote. In an article for The Hill, Jonathan Easley digs into the endorsement that every Democratic primary candidate wants. John Lewis, civil rights leader, House member from Georgia, and owner of some pretty awesome cats. Uh, Seriously, check out the link in the show notes for more on those cats. They are surprisingly adorable. Anyway, back to the subject at hand. John Lewis is a powerful figure, mainly because he is a direct link from key civil rights actions in the 60s to now and there just aren't that many people left who fit that bill. Lewis was nearly killed by police on Bloody Sunday in 1965 when he and Hosea Williams led marchers across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. Lewis survived, and he has been a consistent progressive voice for more than half a century. Everybody wants John Lewis to endorse them, and he is not ready to go there just yet. In Easley's article, he points out the many connections Lewis has with prominent candidates who are in the primary field right now, which might complicate Lewis's ability to just pick somebody to endorse. For instance, two members of the CBC, that's the Congressional Black Caucus, are in the running, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker. But Lewis says, quote, I'd like to see the best possible person be elected, and it doesn't matter whether they're from CBC or the Democratic Party. I'm not leaning toward making an endorsement. Not at all. End quote. Now, Lewis is also an old friend of Joe Biden, who, yeah, technically hasn't announced yet, but still, that's a long relationship. And Lewis hung out with Beto O'Rourke during a House protest in favor of gun control in 2016. And he walked with Elizabeth Warren in a march commemorating Bloody Sunday. And his office has shared staff with the office of Bernie Sanders. And he's co-sponsored bills with Kirsten Gillibrand. And he campaigned for Stacey Abrams in her race for governor of Georgia. Another reminder, Abrams has not announced yet that she's running in this primary, but it is a strong possibility, or maybe she'll go for the Senate or something else. But the point is, 
When you have a long career in democratic politics, you make a lot of allies. And when those allies are in a contest against one another, how do you pick just one? Anyway, one more message of sanity from Lewis from the piece. Quote, I'm not even leaning. I am meeting with people. I've taken the time to sit with them on the sofa in my office. Some people just want some advice, and I've been telling them all, get out there and work hard. End quote. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. In New York Magazine's Intelligencer, Ed Kilgore wrote a piece asking, Why hasn't Bernie Sanders released his tax returns yet? As tax day approaches and Democrats in Congress continue trying various methods to get President Trump's tax returns, we have the front-running Democratic candidate, continuing to avoid this tax returns thing for the second presidential run in a row, and that is not a good look. Sanders has been engaged in some form of presidential run since 2015, and yet despite various promises and suggestions and hints that his returns would be released, we've only seen two pages summarizing the year 2014. That was during the primary in which Hillary Clinton released a total of nine full years of her tax returns, going all the way back to 2007. This was an issue in that primary, and it's an issue again. In February this year, Sanders suggested that he would release his old returns after filing this year. Well, good, and that's something to watch for next week. And of course, this doesn't apply just to Sanders, but it is becoming particularly acute because he is the frontrunner in the polls, aside from Biden, but he's not running, and Sanders is by far the leader in fundraising. Can Democrats in Congress reasonably ask for the president's tax returns when their own top candidate has not released his in this election cycle or the last one? Now, the partial counterpoint here is that within the Democratic primary field, there are only four candidates who have released their tax returns so far. They are Kirsten Gillibrand, Jay Inslee, Amy Klobuchar, and Elizabeth Warren. And interesting side note, Warren actually released 10 years worth of returns in August of 2018, which was before she officially announced her candidacy. On Sunday, Pete Buttigieg spoke at the LGBTQ Victory Fund's annual brunch in Washington, D.C. He used the opportunity to talk about what it means to him to be gay, Christian, married, and an elected official in Indiana. Remember, that's the state where Vice President Mike Pence was governor until 2017. 
So the news here is that Buttigieg is putting his sexuality and his faith right up front. He's getting ahead of a potential wedge issue and starting that discussion on his own terms. And let me tell you, he is coming in hot. He is taking this issue and confronting it in a way that is honest and direct and vulnerable, and also speaks directly to his fellow Christians in the electorate. Here are a few quotes from Buttigieg's speech. First, on the issue of coming out as gay and his long struggle to accept his sexuality in the context of his community. Quote, If you could have offered me a pill that could make me straight, I would have swallowed it before you could give me a swig of water. It's a hard thing to think about now. If you had shown me exactly what it was that made me gay, I would have cut it out with a knife. End quote. Later, he added, Thank God there was no pill. Thank God there was no knife. He talked about how he did eventually come out publicly after returning from his Navy service in Afghanistan. And then he got to the headline-making material. Buttigieg talked about his marriage last year to his husband, Chastin, who, by the way, is a must-follow on Twitter. There's a link in the show notes, just, just trust me on this one. And how marriage has made him a better man. Now, this is a direct appeal for Christian voters to examine their faith and his faith and see what they think, see what they feel. So here's what Buttigieg said, quote, And yes, Mr. Vice President, it has moved me closer to God. That's the thing I wish the Mike Pences of the world would understand, that if you have a problem with who I am, your quarrel is not with me. Your quarrel, sir, is with my creator. End quote. One more story I'm going to throw in here real quick. Joe Biden is sending mixed signals about when he's going to announce his candidacy. It sure seems like he's delaying his decision about whether he will or will not run, and obviously this comes in the context of recent allegations of inappropriate contact with a variety of women, often on the campaign trail. I read Biden's announcement today as a signal that really decreases the chances that he'll run, and that's interesting because he seems to have pretty good support in the polls, or at least he did up until this recent set of allegations. We don't know how those have affected things yet. So my point is, let's see what happens. But this sounds to me like he's holding off that decision for serious reasons that go well beyond what he says they are. All right, here's the exchange. I'll read the quotes verbatim from a brief CNN video posted over the weekend. Quote, Biden, I'm told by my lawyers that I've got to be careful what I say so that I don't start the clock ticking and change my status but I am very close to making the decision to stand before you all relatively soon. Reporters, then weeks, days, weeks, what's the holdup? Biden, the holdup? Putting everything together, man, putting everything together. Even if I knew for certain that I was going to run for president back at Thanksgiving, my intention from the beginning, if I were to run, would be to be the last person to announce. So give everybody else their day, then I get a shot, and then we're off to the races, end quote. And finally today, here's a handy tool you can use to play pollster at home. Go to electoralvotemap.com and you'll get an up-to-date view of the current electoral landscape across the country based on polling data sources listed right below the map, so you can check the source data if you want. The map was created by Tegan Goddard, who is best known for the Political Wire blog. So this is an interactive map projecting the presidential race in 2020 by state. It starts out using the data to show states as red, blue, or light gray, indicating a toss-up. You then click on states to model what might happen if, for instance, 
a presidential candidate won a good portion of the South or the Midwest. The map adds up electoral votes automatically, and as we'll hear 10,000 more times this year alone, it takes 270 electoral votes to win. Electoralvotemap.com, check it out, and there's a link in the show notes. That's it for another episode of the Primary Ride Home. I have been and remain your host, Chris Higgins. You can reach me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. My DMs are open for hot tips. This field is big, you know, it's getting bigger, and I'm here to help you make sense of what that means. Now I'm going to go outside and enjoy some of this beautiful springtime rain in Portland. Talk to you tomorrow. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.